So, Carl and I here a couple weeks ago, our small group, we were, we're going through the book of James. We're going through the book of James. And I stumbled across a quote by Bob Yandian. And if you don't know who Bob Yandian is, you should find out who Bob Yandian is. There you go. I'm going to read a little bit, but I really want to focus on one spot. The righteous life demands work and diligence, but it brings a lasting joy that cannot be removed. Although Satan also tempts the believer, he'll be dealt with later. It's a book on James. He'll be dealt with later when we get to James, where it says, submit, yourself to, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's in James. But here's the part I want to focus on, the part that stuck in my head. You cannot resist your flesh and expect it to flee from you. It will always be present and have to be dealt with until death or the rapture. In many cases, Satan is easier to deal with than the flesh. Yeah, it got in my head. And I know back when I was in Karis, one of the very first things that I picked up on that, that won't leave is the flesh will not get better. And this bugs me. What, what are you going to do about the flesh? What do you do about the flesh? Galatians 5, starting at 17, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And then it goes on to list a bunch of things that are flesh-related. We probably all have our, our, our spots in there. But we get down to 22, verse 22, chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and its lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another, and envying one another. The flesh is conquered, well, it's crucified at the cross, but, but overcome by walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. And if you get to a spot where the flesh kind of leaps in and gets you a little bit, don't hang there, repent. Ask for forgiveness. Don't, don't hang on to condemnation. Go right to love. Jesus. Right back to love and Jesus. Let's all rise. Father, we thank you, Lord, Jesus, for what you did for us on the cross, Lord, and that we can turn to you, abide in you, and walk in the Spirit. Father, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Let me be seated for just a half a second. Well, a little bit more than a half a second. We'll, we'll let you do more than half a second. <clears throat> Recently, we've been talking um, about why we do the things that we do. And this is something new. We've never done this before, this, this moment. But there's, it's an important to do so in the light of moving forward with all that God has for us. And uh, a few weeks ago, and I've seen it's already way better, a few weeks ago, the Lord gave uh, Pastor John Moe a word where <clears throat> talking about that worship is important. Worship is important. It's paramount. It's actually what we're going to do in heaven. You know, we're going to be worshiping him. Now, that doesn't mean we're all going to be on clouds with the, the harps, you know, and floating around. Some of us don't look good on clouds with harps, just, you know. <laughs> but worship is, is what's going to spontaneously happen. We know that around the throne, the elders are standing, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They're, they're, they're worshiping 24-7. And we're going to join in. And, but why do we worship? 
why do we worship? Now, you'll know that it, uh, here for years now, years we've had a, an offering teaching where we teach on offering, where we teach on why we give. Because most people, if you, you know, if you grew up with, in the churches that I grew up in, you just gave. Why? Because it's the offering place coming around. You know, and why, but, but why do we give? Because why we do what we do is, is as important as doing it. Because we can do it with the wrong motives. We can do it the wrong way. We can do it wrongly. And so um, we've been talking about this. It's like, why don't we teach on worship? Why don't we teach on why we worship? Why don't we teach on how we worship? And the more we talked about it, I was like, man, that makes all the sense in the world. Now, we're not talking, you know, 16 sermons on worship, although we might someday. But why not do a three-minute, just a real quick, hey, this is why we, here's another reason why we worship. Here's another reason how, here's another way, here's how we worship. Just little snippets, kind of like what we do with the offerings, doing little snippets of here. And I've asked actually Jamie to do it. She's like, but can you do the first one? You know, so yes, I can explain it. But Jamie, I've asked Jamie to start teaching on worship, doing a three minute, just a quick little, here's another verse, here's another thing, here's a point I want you to hear this week. So this morning, I, my, my part was to do the, the intro to do the, 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 you know, explaining it. But as we move forward, the Bible says that we are to worship with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our soul. With everything, all of our strength, everything that's in us. And so what that means is when we worship, we shouldn't be just completely distracted. Because that's not all. When we worship, we need to be focused on Him. Now, I love coffee as much as the next the rest of you. And again, praise God, we have coffee in the morning to you know, make it through with that long, boring sermon that's about to happen. But it's not about coffee, is it, this morning? You know, it's not about our cell phone. Why, why do we turn off the cell phones? Make sure, you know, we're making a joke about it. We will always will. We're never going to chew anybody out. Well, unless Diane's phone goes off again this week. <laughs> we love people. We understand, we understand how things work and, and mis, you know, stuff happens. That's why we joke about it. But when it's not a, it, 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 whatever we can do to focus on Him, just for the next 30 minutes or so, focusing on Him. Now let's stand. Focusing on Him, telling Him who we believe He is, worshiping Him for who He is, and focusing on His goodness, His light, His life. When we do that, watch what happens. Man, we, there's all kinds of verses, and I don't want to steal any of Jamie's thunder over the next few weeks here. And I might jump in every once in a while, or have other people share too. We've got a number of worship leaders here. But when people worship in spirit and in truth, when people worship with one heart and one mind, stuff happens. The Old Testament is full of stories of when people started to worship whole armies were defeated without without slinging a bow temples were filled with the glory of god to where the 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 worshipers couldn't even worship anymore hey i'm all right with that but it starts with having our focus having our heart our mind our soul focused on him amen let's worship lord you truly are worthy you are worthy of all praise, all honor, and all glory. Father, it's such a privilege to know you. It's a privilege to know that you love us. And our response to you, Lord, is worship. Our response is honor and glory. Lifting our voices, lifting our hands, lifting the name of Jesus. Because you are worthy and you are holy. And Lord, the, the fact that you loved us so much and sent Jesus to die on the cross for us is absolutely amazing to me. That you so loved the world that you gave Jesus to die on that cross for us. 
that's, that is worth worshiping you forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And that's why we worship. We worship because he's worthy to be worshiped. And it's not just because what he's done for us. I mean, even, even if, I mean, he is God. That's the amazing part. The God of all creation, the God of all the universe. You know, we don't just get together because it makes us feel good. Because it warms our heart. I mean, it makes me feel good. I love getting together with the body of Christ. I, I love getting together with you folks. But that's not the, the whole thing. The, the, the fact is, is that he gets together with us. He's here this morning. The Bible says that where two or more are gathered, there he is in the midst. And when, the, when someone who is, has that much authority, that much power, when somebody has that much re, uh, uh, respect, that we, when he walks in the room, we should all stand. We should all stand and we should all, I mean, we show him honor. And that's what we just did. That's what worship is all about. And the better we get at it, the, you know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all, into all truth. And part of that is worshiping God. Jesus said that we, we will, the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. By the Spirit, led by the Spirit. And when we do that, the name of Jesus is lifted up, and then he says he draws all men unto himself. And that's, that is why we do what we do, and, and we want to be more and more in the Spirit. Well, part of being more and more in the Spirit is, is understanding. Having the understanding of what's happening. Being able to follow the Spirit. Hearing the voice of God. <gasps> Working with him, following him, being led by him, because he knows. He knows. Amen? Amen. Turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. We've been starting there for a number of weeks now. A few, couple more weeks, we should have this thing sorted out. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, says, And I, this is Paul, Paul's writing to the Corinthians, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit, and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, Paul could do wisdom. Remember, we said that last week that Paul could speak wisdom. I mean, the whole New Testament, you know, two thirds of the New Testament was written by him. And some of it, even Peter said, Man, when Paul writes, uh, we can't understand it all. I mean, he could wow you with wisdom, he could wow you with, with knowledge. So he wasn't saying that. What he's saying is, is that when we get together, it's about the power of God. And that power, the power of God, the anointing, the anointed one and his anointing, when we actually walk in that, stuff happens. And one way to, to, to usher in, to get ready for that power, is worship. Why, why, why does every church service start with worship? That just gets our heart right. Gets our minds focused. Gets us moving in the right direction. I mean, God, we could walk in the door and all the power of God just hit us. Woo! But it is possible to be in the middle of, the, of the, the power of God and have no idea of what's going on. We can miss God. We can miss his power. We can miss his anointing. Because if, we're, if our heart's not right, if our, if our minds aren't right, we need to, we, we're going to just, we're going to go, oh, well, that was interesting. That was a great song. Didn't, wasn't it great, the timing, you know, the, the cadence, the, 
They were in tune. It was awesome that they were in tune. It isn't the technical part of what happens here. It's about what happens in the Spirit. Amen? It's about the power. So we've been talking about this for a few weeks, talking about guidelines for flowing in the supernatural because we want it to be, we, we want uh, the move of God to, we want to do it the best. And we talked last week, I was talking about shooting a gun, shooting a rifle. And I got to go shoot a gun this week. It was wonderful. Oh, smell of, of gunfire in the morning. You know, it's just, you know, gunpowder. It's wonderful. And, you know, the thing is, you know, I hadn't shot one in a long time. You know, but I was with my son and he, wanted, he had a new pistol and he wanted me to try it out. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And, and I hadn't actually touched a gun for a long time because, you know, I moved to Wisconsin and they have new laws over there. And I haven't filled out, I haven't done all the laws yet. So I, I can't touch my gun as much as I want to touch my gun. That sounded weird. Okay, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll just move off of that. It's not like that. I mean, it's just like, but, but when I picked it up, it's like, okay, rules, rules, where's... How do we do the you know, guidelines? How do I have fun with this? How do I enjoy this? How does this work without hurting someone else? Or missing. That was the next thing is you actually stand and you point it at the, at the, at the, the gun. And somebody asked me, they said, you know, do you, do you close one eye or do you open one or you have them both open? I had to stand there and think about it for a second. I can't remember. It's been a while. Okay, there's, there's guidelines to doing it better and better, talking about stance, talking about, there's all these parts of doing something, and it doesn't matter, I mean, I, I'm a guy, so I talk about guns. You know, we could talk about needlework. Somebody else would have to come up and talk about needlework, though, I don't know. Crocheting, anybody crochet, crochet? Wow, it's like, I'm ashamed, I do, but don't tell anybody, you know. <laughs> But the more you do it, the more there's rules to crocheting. I'm, I, 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 you know, because I mean, I've seen some really beautiful stuff, and then I saw stuff that you know little kids have done, and it's just like a matted ball of knots. But if you do it right, the better you get it. The more you practice, the more the more you understand. If you do this and this, and you can get better at it, man, you know, my guess is after you've done it for thirty years, the people that have done it for forty years are better because you learn stuff. You understand that there's more to it than just knotting some yarn together, which is what I would do. So last week we, last week we talked about the first four guidelines. How many brought your, your papers, your guidelines to the flowing in the supernatural? All right, one, two, three. Oh, okay, there they come. Here they. Thank you, Diane. Thank you. Did you turn your phone off, Diane? <laughs> We started talking about that last week. We went through the first four. We'd actually talked about a couple of weeks before that where I went through all of them, but we're, we're going through these individually. But just as a refresher, number one is exalt Jesus, not yourself. Obviously, because it's about him. It's not about us. He's not obligated. He's not, you know, if, if, if we start focusing this on us, on what, what, what we're doing, then we lose the power. He doesn't have to do anything. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. God will still move because he loves people. God will still move and, and do stuff despite us. He does that for me all the time. I mean, even though I'm not perfect, even though I haven't sorted all the, my, my whole life out, but he still uses me. Why? Because he loves other people. And he's reminded me a number of times. He says, you know, okay, I'm going to use them. I'm going to use you. you know, I'm still going to anoint you. But remember, this isn't because of you. It's because of them. King David was a perfect example. King David, you know, man after my own heart. Yet he was a scoundrel. There was times in his life where he was a scoundrel. But he always repented quickly and pointed back to God. It's him. You read the Psalms and he's always pointing to the Creator, always pointing to God. And that's what we need to do. Exalt Jesus, not yourself. Drawing attention to yourself with various demonstrations and manifestations of the gifts is not appropriate. Number two, make sure the prophetic word you share lines up with the word of God. Yes, minimally. That's the, that's the first check. Minimally. I mean, that's just beginning. Is, it's got to line up with the word of God. If you pulled it out of fur, fish, and game this week, I don't know why that, that just, we're talking about hunting, sorry. How many of you ever read fur, fish, and game? Wow, I am such a geek. Okay. That was a hunting and trapping magazine back in the 60s and early 70s. All right, we'll think of a better one. Uh, Sports Illustrated. <laughs> Time Magazine. 
No, that's old too, isn't it? Man, I'm old. Okay, never mind. If you pull it out of other stuff, it, it, if it's not the word of God, then there's, it's just based on plausible words of wisdom, not the power of God. Where does the power of God come? It comes from the Bible. Amen? 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Amen. And number three, every prophecy or public manifestation or demonstration of the gifts will be judged in the light of the word by church leadership in accordance with 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Thessalonians 5. We do. I judge everything. I'm always watching. I'm always listening. I'm always listening. What's being said? Who's saying what? You know, years and years and years ago, you, most of you had no idea, even if I start talking about this, you would have no idea what I'm talking about. But it's a perfect example. I was in a men's meeting, and I was, I, we were talking, the person who was speaking was talking about uh, the, the verses out of Mark, at the end of Mark, uh, Mark 16, I think it's Mark 16, talking about those who lay hands on the sick, those shall recover, and those who, you know, so on and so forth. He's, he's quoting those verses. He says, anybody ever laid hands on somebody and they did not get healed? Well, it's kind of easy to go, yeah. Yeah, I've laid hands on people. And he goes, well, then that verse doesn't apply to us anymore. We've got to judge that. That has to be judged. And normally, the next one here is that anybody who says something, you know, is going to be, it, it, we always judge it but if, if you say, do something wrong, I'm not going to out you in front of everybody. We're not going to do it, you know, no, that wasn't a word from the Lord. Sit down. But that morning I had to. That morning I had to judge it and I had to deal with it because everybody was going to walk away from there thinking that, that verse doesn't, you know, or at least there's a question in their mind, that verse doesn't apply. I said, stop. That's not what the, no. That is not the, the takeaway of that verse. That's not how that works. I had to do it publicly, and that's terrible. I don't like to do that kind of stuff, but I won't do that. I mean, if somebody came up here and said something blasphemous or weird, you know, completely wrong, I would, I would deal with it, but I'll deal with it with all the gentleness. But if you get up and, and just say, God loves you, God loves you so much, and he loves you so much, he just wants to hug you. Now, somebody could get up and say that in a service. You know, and if it was the Holy Spirit, if it was really an, an anointed word, yeah, that's awesome. But if they just said it out of their emotion, that's not what they needed to do right then. So I wouldn't go get up and say, that was wrong. Because then people think, God doesn't love us? How does that, you know, that's just confusing. No, I just talked to him, I said, here's the deal. That's true, but it wasn't something that needed to be done right then. You know, let's, 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 be, let's be, you know, really led. But I would do it completely off to the side, you know, on a different day and, you know, when you're feeling good about yourself and <laughs> you're not going to get offended. But it's, we do judge these things. I judge it all the time. I'm judged, I, I've said this before, I watch my own sermons and I judge what I'm saying. I have to. Because I'm, I'm listening and going, ah, there, this has been a long time ago. I said something just off the cuff, and the next week I actually had to repent for it. Because I was like, that's actually not true. And, I, and I'll do that. I'll do it because the, what, I take what I do here every morning, every Sunday morning, I take this very seriously. And I'll repent, man. I will, I will, I will, I will turn on myself, you know, but I'll do it privately. John, you were wrong. So, we do judge it. And then fourth, number four, do not share a public utterance publicly unless you can receive correction without taking it as a personal rejection. Which kind of ties to number three. If, 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 you, you know, if I come to you and, and I say, hey man, you know, that was awesome, you know, I'm glad you, got, you had the courage and I want you to do it again, because that's how I would do it. I want you to keep going. That's, I'm not trying to stop you. And I said nothing, because you haven't done anything. You know, you know. Anytime you want to, though, you're, you're free. But when I'm saying to him, if he takes it personally and going, oh, he thinks I'm always wrong. He doesn't like me. No, that's not the case. I like everybody in here. Pretty much. <laughs> but I, it, it isn't about you personally. It's just about, it's about helping you. You know? 
It's about helping you. When I, when I worked as a, as, and I was trained as a shop teacher, and you'd walk around and you'd go, hey, if you sanded this a little bit more, if you cut it, if you use this, this jig and, and it worked, you could make their, you could help them be better. I had a football coach. They used to say, he says, the reason I'm telling, you know, he'd yell at us though. See, I got to put that in con. He says, the only reason I'm yelling at you, I see your potential. And I know you can do better. The only reason, if I didn't think you had any potential, I wouldn't even pay attention to you. I'm going to correct you. I'm going to help you. And you want to be humble. One of the most humble people in this room is going to feel just completely embarrassed when I even say it. Vern Norton always is telling me, John, if I ever say anything wrong, you tell me. I I want to be right. I want to be on. He's just humble. And he's older than me. Barely. But, you know, he's humble. That's, that's what we need is humility and go, hey, if I do anything wrong, just say something to me. Because I want to be better. I want to get better at this. I, wanna, I want to, to flow with God and have the, the confidence that when I'm doing it, it's going to bless people. Amen? Amen. So now we're switching over to number five. This is a new one. But it's been on the sheet all this time. Number five, make love and edifying others your primary goal in operating in spiritual gifts. Wow, this one is like loaded. But let's just read uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. It says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And 14, 12 says, so with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to, to excel in building up the church. Here's the deal. I can't give you a single uh, example of anything that's ever happened here. Literally, every, I mean, I, I can't remember anyone who gave anything, shared anything, did anything that wasn't focused on love. Now, I've been places. I've been in other meetings, you know, not, not associated with us, where people will get up and they'll, say, they'll just say mean things. Thus saith the Lord. You're just not meeting God's standard. You're not, you're not dedicated enough. God's telling me you're not dedicated enough. That's well, stupid. God doesn't say that. God doesn't drive us. If you ever wonder if the devil's speaking to you, he's trying to drive you. He's trying to push you. God can say the same thing, but draw you to him. And it usually starts with, man, I love you. That's why he always says, man, I love you. I want you to. I want you to grow. I want you to. I want you to. I want you to know me more. And I want. I, I want you. And, and, and so here's some things you can you can adjust in your life to get. It always draws you with love. It's never critical. It's never critical. It's not, I've never. I've never heard it here. But in Greg Moore's book, uh, Flowing in the Supernatural, he talks about there was a woman who would correct her husband in prophecy in front of the whole church. Yeah. Yeah, don't do that. That's not love. You know, trying to correct the children in the church. Thus saith the Lord, you're having too much fun. You're not. Have more fun. But, you know, see what I'm saying? Quit running in the foyer. You know, you you don't deal with a problem, you know, a physical problem in the church through a prophetic word. You don't, you don't criticize. I mean, I, you know, wow, okay. Now I need some inner healing. I'm starting to think way back, way back. This is so far back, man. Some of you weren't even born. But I remember being in a church when an elder got up in the church one time and he says, the Bible says, be silent and know that I am God. So when you walk in those doors, I don't want to hear any talking. I sat there as a kid and I went, then I won't walk through the doors. Because that's not love. That's not love. I mean, you know, when Jesus was on the earth, little children ran to him. I still remember thinking about that way back when. It's like I had a, the wrong idea of who Jesus was. Because, you know, l- bring the little children. They wanted to, the children wanted to come to him. And, he, and they did, you know, the, 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 the uh, disciples were the ones that were going, no, 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 don't bother the Savior or the, the Lord, you know. 
But he's like, bring the kids. You know, and I thought, isn't that true? In my whole life, I always thought you see these pictures of Jesus floating about three inches above the ground, oh, glowing out everything. <laughs> I mean, what little self-respecting kid sees that and runs towards it? I mean, they're like, ah, you know, and they're going the other direction. <laughs> it's love. He draws us. So any word, even if it's a correction, I mean, man, you know, if it's correction, it, it needs to be done in love. Not harshness. Now, it can convict you. You know, don't, don't, don't think, well, if it, if it convicts me. Or, or if it was... Here's where I... You gotta, it may seem harsh at the moment. But if the, if the person... Let, let, let the leadership take care of that. If somebody came up and said something, and it seemed harsh to you, it might be that you're convicted. Because you can, you can get hurt, you get your feelings. I mean, I've had my feelings hurt. I had a, had a guy at one time tell me I was wrong. Right in front of everybody. He says, you, he says, you need to listen to your wife. <laughs> Pastor John Moe was there that day. All my friend, a bunch of my friends were there, and this, this man of God stood up and says, you're wrong. You need to listen to your wife. God gave you your wife for a reason. She knows things you don't know. She understands things you don't understand. And I'm thinking, no, I didn't. Actually, I felt, it it stung. It stung a little bit. But it was still a drawing that if I do, if I I change that in my life, I'm going to grow. And I've grown this much since then. (laughs) I'm working on it. But it might sting for a moment, but it, doesn't, it isn't condemnation. You know what condemnation is? Condemnation is when there is no, no way to come back from it. You're out, and that's what the devil does all the time. You know, Brian, you're just a sinner. You just keep sinning, and God's, God's tired of it. No, he isn't. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. You know I'm just, example, example. But exactly, he knows who he is in Christ. He knows, and that's how you judge it, right? You judge it. I mean, I had a, <laughs> I had a guy walk up to me, and I, this happens a lot when I go out and speak in other places. I had a guy walk up and says, the Lord, the, word, the Lord spoke to me about you, and I have a word for you. I was like, all right, okay. And so I'm just standing there. And he goes, the Lord told me you've had a, had a horrible childhood and that you're, scor- you're scarred because of it. And I'm thinking... No, I didn't. I had a great childhood. I mean, yeah, my parents were whacked, but what parents aren't whacked, you know? (laughs) I'm sorry. They weren't whacked. They were just normal. And we all have our levels of dysfunction. But I'm just listening to this guy and going, you're wrong, you know? And he was basically setting this thing up that that my life was a mess because of my childhood and that the only way I was going to get it sorted out was to listen to him. And I was like... Hey, thanks, man. Have a great day. Bless you. <laughs> Bless those who despitefully use you. Bless you. Have a great day. Get out of my way. <laughs> it's going to be drawn by love. That's, it's, this whole thing is about love. And so as we do this, make sure that when you come up and share something, it's from the right heart. If you come up and, and you're upset us about something and you want to get this sorted out, number six, no public correction of individuals through the prophecy is allowed. And this is actually where Greg Moore was talking about is this woman would get up and correct her husband. Say things by the Spirit to correct her husband. But he, uh, here's where I'm very, very careful. I mean, I know stuff. I know stuff in the natural about people. And so if I ever have a word for somebody, man, I'm double-checking it. I'm double-checking my heart. I'm double-checking, is this you, God? Are you wanting me to say this? Because I can say stuff to people because I know you. And I love that. about. That's why I love being a pastor. I love, I love knowing people and having a relationship. But then that, what that does is it kind of it puts, a, puts, puts me in a precarious position that I've got to be really, really careful that whatever I say doesn't lead you direct you give you answers for things you do you know maybe it's in your heart you want to know it but it's not my job to tell you how to live your life especially when it comes to correction man if god tells you to correct somebody 
I mean, I heard about a, about a guy one time, he used to call people out. I mean, he, he wasn't the pastor, but he would call people and say, hey, I've been praying for, praying. I took you before the Lord, and the Lord says, you, he has this against you. Well, that's not the Lord. That's not God. God, he doesn't have anything against you. Thank you, Brian. I knew you were thinking it. He doesn't have anything against you. He forgave everything at the cross. Everything he wants to do from this point on is to help you, is to draw you to him, to bring you. He does, even if you're a complete sinner, even if, you've come, even if you are the vilest human being on the face of the earth, he's trying to draw you, not condemn you. Man, we just need to get that out of our head. And it's because of old stuff that's happened that we have this view of God as, as this, you know, this taskmaster who's just waiting to chew you out. He's not. He's, he's waiting to draw you in. For God so loved the world. Who are our enemies? Anybody ever, you know, Bible school students, who are the enemies of the believer? Satan, the flesh, and the world. The world system. For God so loved the world. People who had rejected him, the whole world was rejecting him. For God so loved, he loved the enemy of God. People had rejected him, had, had said, we don't need you anymore. They've rejected God. He so loved that, that he gave Jesus. He loves you. There's nothing separating you except your will. And even at that, it says, the goodness of God draws men to repentance. It's the goodness of God. So, I mean, I, I've seen street preachers up on, you know, standing up on the street on a, you know, yelling, you're sinners! God hates you! You need to repent because he, he doesn't love you! That's a bunch of... He loves you. Have you heard the good news? Jesus, dealing with sinners, didn't condemn them, but offered a way for repentance. It's the same way with you, same with us, same way we need to be in a service. When, when, when we're ministering under the Spirit, it needs to be full of grace and mercy and love. It should draw people. That's why I say, you know, how do you know, how do you judge a word? Does it line up with the word of God? Is it, is it, uh, 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 does it, you know, is there like oomph behind it? Is there, is there, oh, there's power behind it? And then thirdly, does it leave it, does you walk away going, yeah, that's right. It's the right answer. Even if it stung a little bit, it's the right answer. Amen? Amen. Number six. No public correction of indi individuals through prophecy is allowed. Did I just say that? Wow, we're further along than I thought. Seven, we ask if you have a personal word for someone in the body, you take a mature believer or leader in the church with you for the purpose of judging that word in light of the word. When you have something to share, it shouldn't be, you know, come here, Jamie. Come here, Jamie. Let me, let's go outside. I have, the Lord has something to tell you. Amen. <laughs> because number one, she's all the, yeah, she's all by herself. Whatever just got said, all she, you know, there's no you know, there's no way to judge that. There's no way to know that what I said had anything to do with anything. I mean, anybody here who after a service or whatever I've ever ministered to you, how many of you have I always said, hey, can I, have, can I have somebody come over here with me? Can I have somebody come over here and pray with us? Can I have somebody come over here and I want them to minister? I do it every single time. And I'm the pastor. I don't ever give a word to anyone, ever, 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 unless somebody else is there. Why? Because it needs to be understood by two or three people protection it protects that person and it protects me and it protects the the name of the lord we're just doing things right i always take somebody i always unless there's something somebody's already there hey well good now we can deal with whatever we're dealing with and you think well why, why do you need somebody you're the pastor why do you need i don't want anybody else to be there no you want people to be there you want people to hear this because most people i don't know about you 
Many times, you know, praise God, we have recording devices now. Somebody will give me a word, and I'll walk away going, what was this? What was everything? You know, I remember that one part. That other person can help you remember. What, was it, what did they say again? What, was the, what did they pray? How did they say it? It's good to have someone else. So anytime you do that, I mean, well, I, I encourage you. If you, God gives you a word, God gives people words all the time of encouragement. Take somebody with you. Because if you do it and you did something wrong, you want somebody to go, hey, dude, it wasn't with love. And they need to correct that. They need to sort that out. It's to protect the body. It's to protect the, and it's to make a, help us to be better at what we do all the time. Amen? 1 Corinthians 14, 1 Thessalonians 5, you know, just, it's in there. Read those two chapters, three chapters, five chapters, they're all good. All right, then, last but certainly not least, this week. Personal words to guests and new people must be submitted first to someone in leadership, staff, elders, or pastor. Absolutely. If you don't know them, do not walk up to somebody and go, the Lord spoke to me during the service about you. And I have, if you're all, don't do that by yourself. Always come to, to myself, one of the elders, one of the other leaders in the church, and just said, hey, I, I got something for that person. Can you come with me? Can, here's what I'm going to say. I want you to run it by that person first. I want, I want you to do it. I want you to have the, 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 the unction to do it, and I want you to fulfill it. But there's, you know, we, that, in that situation, because a new person walking in is going, I have no idea what's going on in here. I'm, I'm out of place. I feel weird. And I just, I, ooh, you know. And I'm walking in, and I'm just, you know, I just want to know where the bathroom is. You know, I just want to... <laughs> And then, and then I'm okay, I'm going to go find a seat. And did I sit in somebody's seat? And that person over there staring at me. They're looking at me like I took their seat. And there's all kinds of thoughts going through a new person's head. The last thing they need is, to come, is for somebody to walk up and say, Ah, brother, I got a word for you from the Lord. You could even do it in the normal voice. I don't know why. I, whenever I'm talking about weird stuff, I always go to the weird voice. Hey, I, I was praying. I was, during worship, you know, God, God spoke something to me about you. And all of a sudden, that person's going, <laughs> That guy who walked up to me and told me I had a terrible childhood came up to me all by himself with nobody else around. He didn't know me. Why didn't he bring somebody? Well, he might, he might know that what he's about to say is about him. It's about, I mean, I, that's, the first thought that went through my head was, man, you had a terrible childhood, didn't you? <laughs> it's the reality. Even if it's good. Even it might, God may say something. I mean, I know, I know that there have been times where, where somebody had a word for somebody in the middle of a service or at the end of a service and they went up and shared it and it was exactly what they needed to hear. That's why we, we encourage you to do it. But if you don't know that person, even if it's somebody who's been here a bunch, if, if it's somebody you don't know personally, I encourage you, get, get, get one of the leaders and say, hey, God just gave me a word for that person. I, I've seen them here a you know, dozen times, but I don't know them personally. Here's what the Lord said. Can you, know, can you come with me? And that person can go, yeah, that's, that sounds good. That's, that sounds like God. Or why don't we hold off on that? Let's go talk to somebody else. Let's just wait. You know, that, that word, you know that, you know that the words of the Lord are not time sensitive? The word of the Lord is the word of the Lord. So whether you tell them now or whether you tell them two weeks from now, doesn't matter. There was one time I was standing up here, I was preaching a sermon, and the Holy Spirit gave me a word for an individual, for a, for a specific person in the church. And I was like, oh, whoa. And I said, now? And the Holy Spirit said, nope. And so I just kept preaching. The next week I saw that person in the service, and the Holy Spirit said, or I, I remembered that I had a word for him, and I said, today? And he said, nope. He gave me the word weeks ahead of time. I, and then I, you know, I started saying, Lord, what, what, why did you give me that word? Pray about it. Pray about it. Pray about it. Pray about it. And I think it was four to six weeks went by, and I saw that person every Sunday, and the Lord gave it to me way back then, and I'm standing there, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, today, right now. And when I shared it, it was exactly what they had been walking through for the week previous. 
but I was able to pray about it for weeks before. So just because you have you know, a word come up, and this, this was a strong word, this is something, I mean, I thought about it a lot. Just because it came today doesn't mean you have to give it today. It's okay to let, you know, give it some time. Unless, unless the Lord says, now, do it now. Well, then grab one of the leaders, grab, grab somebody, grab one of, the, one of the staff, grab one of the elders, grab, you know, somebody, and just say, hey, the Lord told me, I don't know this person. Can you come with me? This is what the Lord said. And that person can go, yeah, that sounds good. And then there's your witness. It works out. Don't walk up to new people, please. All the new people can breathe. <sighs> Sigh of relief now. We're not going to bombard you with weird stuff. That's, that's, you know, that's really kind of how this works. All it's doing is it's, it keeps, gets rid of the weird stuff. And why don't people like to do this stuff? Why don't, why don't we see more of it happen? Because, I mean, I'm with you. I don't want to do it weird. But I want to do it right. And I want to do it powerful. And I want to do it glorifying Him and helping others, helping people. Amen? Amen. Wow, week after Thanksgiving, miracle. I'm done. But we have a couple of quick announcements, very quick. Uh, one of them is an exciting announcement that uh, uh, this week, early on this week, we're signing the lease for the building in St. Paul. And I'm so glad you clapped about that because there's a lot of work to be done. And I'm glad you're excited. But Vern, do you have any? Vern's gone. Where'd he go? Did he get raptured? He took off. He's out of here. Vern, uh, are you guys meeting today, Mary? Are you meeting after the service with your team? We're thinking about it. Well, think quick. It's, pardon. Yeah, so uh, check it out with Vern. Go, go see Vern and Mary after the service. Anybody who's a part of that. Uh, but we're going to be doing that uh, with occupancy date of December 1st. So praise God. Things are moving. And uh, any, good, any good news? Not yet. We're going to get the... You know, here's the thing. God, God can take care of it in a second. Amen? So they're moving forward with the church in New Richmond. They've, they've, all the, the filmings have been, all the, the, the pre-filmings have been done. They're going to start sending it out on Facebook and, and all the different things, advertising the new church in New Richmond. And we're still believing, so standing for a church building in New Richmond. And so that's moving forward. And then I only have one other announcement, and I'm not taking all your announcements, Mark. I know you've, you've got a few there, but I just, you don't have to talk about these two. The other one is uh, this week our, our, our Wednesday night classes are kicking back up again. And uh, for the next two weeks in Jim's class back in W1, um, they've been doing Flowing with the, in the Supernatural and been working through that, like what we've been talking about, but going even deeper. But the next two weeks, they have a very special uh, uh, teaching time about, uh, and I'm not going to share all of it, but I, I want to introduce Michael Blanchard. Michael is going to be actually teaching one, at least one of the classes, maybe both. I'm not sure how that's going to work. But talking about how to help people, how to minister to people who are in grief. It's not about... The class isn't going to be ministering to people who are in grief. It's about helping us, the body of Christ. And that's what this is all about. The church, my job, our job, is to build up the saints to do the ministry. Every one of us run into people all the time who are dealing with grief. I mean, there's this last two months has been really weird, you know, interesting. There's been like, there, for in my life, there's been three different families who are dealing with suicide. And how do you minister to them? How, what do you say? What don't you say? And I'm not going to say anymore, but I want to introduce you to Michael. Michael and, and his family, Michael, Carissa, and the children have been a part of this church for many years. Uh, a, this last year, Carissa passed away, and uh, so he has a unique uh, perspective on what, how do you minister to somebody who's in, in grief, and he wants to help. So Michael, will you come up and uh, give him a warm welcome. And then when Michael's done, Mark... You're on. Um, first, I just want to say thank you, right? I don't know that I've ever said a word or two to this body um, since, you know, February or so. For those, there's a lot of new faces, right? But for those of you who've gotten to know us a little bit, um, it, it, this church has been over backwards, just trying to um, manifest the love that 1 Corinthians 13 talks about. It's been overwhelming at times. Um, that's not to say that the process of going through it hasn't been um, 
in some respect, the other side of hell, right? Like it's, it's just nothing that you really want to go through. Yet in worship, um, those songs that we sing, they talk about the wonderful part of going to this place, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't sit in this room. <laughs> Why do we come here and worship? We worship because death, right? Jesus was victorious over death. We sang that over and over and over, right? We sang about a body of believers going to this place to sing holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy forever and ever. Well, what does that mean in the body when somebody actually goes and does that? <laughs> what does that mean for the rest of us? Um, death is a unique um, experience for the person. So my story is just one little, little part, right? It's just one condition. Somebody else has a completely different outlook on it. And the two are not the same. And there's probably a billion of those. My dad died when I was 17. Um, that was a totally different experience. My mother died when I was 32. That was a totally different experience. What kind of marriage my wife and I had makes all the difference in the world for the process that I go through versus the next person, right? I've met people, talked to people, you know, somebody says, thank God he's gone. I can get on with my life, right? The abuser died. My wife and I didn't have that. <laughs> but do you know what I'm saying? Like death is a very unique thing. So we go through the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12. What follows after that? 1 Corinthians 13, right? I can have all the words of the Lord. I can speak like an angel. I can have the word of God. If I don't have love, right? It's a clanging symbol, all the things he was just talking about. That's kind of this side of this class, Class is kind of a, I'm not sure, we'll see where the spirit goes with it, but it's, it's what's tangible and, and how do you, people come up to me all the time and say, I don't want to say the wrong thing, right? Nobody wants to be one of Job's friends. <laughs> name? Bildad, Zophar, you all are terrible comforters, right? Something like that, right? People don't want to do that. They want to, you know, okay, one, one minute bunny trail. Somebody in this body, I just feel like I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this one, did the First Corinthians 12 thing that has been being talked about for weeks. Sometimes we think, well, I hear from the voice of the Lord and it's, you know, should be dramatic or, um, some of the best words I've ever given people are done in complete ignorance. I know nothing about them. I know nothing, it doesn't make sense to me, it means everything to the person, okay? So one day, about, I don't remember, two, three months ago, I'm in this just depressed, disparate kind of place, okay? And it just day after day after night, not sleeping, I'm just, I love Jesus, don't get me wrong, I, you know, worship with the best of them super sad. I don't know that I'm going to get happiness back, right? This kind of just terrible place. They say stress eating, right? As a woman's thing, that's full of crap. <laughs> like I'm sitting there with a plate of chips and I'm like, I'm just going to eat myself to death, right? Watching a movie or something. And then I thought, I'm going to rot. I'm just going to rot. I'm going to rot and die. I'm just going to rot. Everything's going to be, and it's just, and I'm just saying just thoughts. You know, they just, they just go through your head, right? And they kind of get in your heart. They kind of stick, right? You understand what I'm talking about? And I'm just in this place, and I just, for days, and I can't shake it. And I thought, I'm just going to rot. You're going to let me rot, aren't you, Lord? I'm just going to rot. There's a, there's a tree in my front yard. It was a, a Y or a V. Um, like a paper birch and it was connected at the base and we lost one of the limbs a year before she died and a storm fell in the house had to be cut down and that tree bled for months and just you know the sap poured out of the base right and i thought that's like me i kind of posted about it like if that tree could talk would it be saying i'm just gonna fall over now 
right? Because the counterweight's not there. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to rot. What am I good for? Firewood? I'm just going to, you know, and it just, right? So I show up on Sunday. I didn't really want to. Sometimes it's a little bit like junior high dance again. You're like, mm, I don't want to talk to anybody, you know? <laughs> right? And just like hide out in the back corner or something, dark, dark corner. Wayne, one time, he was like, you want to go back to the... No, I'm like, nope, I don't. I'm going. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> so, anyway. Somebody came up, gave me a word. A little bit communicated it with some element of intrepidation. Had another person. It wasn't John, but I'm just highlighting. Did actually have another person with them. And among the things they said, just looked at me and said, I really feel like the Lord told me to tell you, you are like a cedar tree. You are rot resistant. And I don't know what that means. And just as soon as they said it, they were almost like embarrassed, like that was such a weird thing to say to somebody. Put me in a different place. Right? That person was already operating out of a relationship of love, right? And the way that they were demonstrating that meant all the difference. So what I want to talk about Wednesday, and I won't be the only one, there's some other people on the success of Wednesday, because again, mine's just one little sliver, is about how to be the body to the next person that is in your life who passes away, or you're at work, right? Sometimes the Lord meets us in a little spot down here in the front of the stage, but most of the time we need the Lord out there, right? It's when your next family gathering comes up and somebody died, right? Somebody's gonna die some point, statistically speaking, very soon, if not already, in this relationship circle, right? Between us. And what will you say? And how will you deal with it? Right? Is it a quick quip? Is it a scripture? What's the right thing? What's the wrong thing? Right? We'll deal with that. Is there a right thing? Eh, right? You can come check it out. We'll, we'll talk about it. I'll share a couple definite wrong ones. <laughs> There's a few of them. <laughs> they come, but but it's more about the approach and love. It's more about the enablement of, of handling the people that God puts in your life that you can literally be the hands and feet of Jesus to. Right? Because they only get a few more days to breathe air here. And you're the person in their life. And you're the light of the world for them. And God will put you in their life and you will feel inadequate and you will be. Right? And there's a, there's a point to that. And if you want to understand how to live in that moment being inadequate and demonstrating Jesus and what that looks like, then I encourage you to come because other people who have experienced this will have a take on that. Does that make sense? Wednesday, 6.30. Good to go. W1. Good morning. I want to look real quickly at why do we give? You know, we're taught in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, just a minute. You know, it talks about sowing sparingly, we'll reap sparingly. If we sow abundantly, we'll reap abundantly. And Luke 6 talks about give, it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But why do we give? So this is what happens when we give, but why do we give? Certainly we will gain from sowing, but there must be another reason or purpose. God made us in, in um, Genesis 1.17, it says God made us in his image and likeness. And likeness is the quality of being alike. In Psalms 24.1, it says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, it all belongs to him. And James echoes this when he says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above. These gifts come down from the Father of lights. We, 
we give because he first gave, you know, because he first gave. God is very generous. It's his nature. He is always giving. So how do we, how do we receive his nature? At the great exchange of the cross, God gave his best when he sent his son to restore our relationship with him, and he asked us to give our life back in order to be like him, to have his nature. So Galatians 2.20 says, we've been crucified with Christ, we no longer live, but Christ lives in us, and the life we live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God. So, um, so Christ, his nature lives in us, it makes us a giver like him. He traded our sin nature, which was killed at the cross, for his nature, and giving is part of God's nature. It's a very important part of our life. It is being like God our Father. He has given us the nature of giving in our finances, talents, abilities, and ourself. So we need to be like Him and be generous. So speaking of giving, you can give four different ways. You can give in the boxes in the back with an envelope. You can go online at RVCC, Lake Elmo. Go to the website, scroll down to donate and give your offering. You can mail an offering to River Valley Christian Church at 5900 Lake Elmo Avenue, Lake Elmo, Minnesota, 55042. You can, also, you can also stop by the office Monday through Thursday and see Greg. And you can also bring your larger donations like the boat you haven't used in a long, long time. Because we could really use the finances for the planning of the churches and Pastor Greg can take care of all that paperwork. He's uh, very talented and helpful from what I've noticed. Anyway, I really mean that. Somebody's got that boat. So, uh, I don't know who it is though. Lord, may we go out with your love and your power for a demonstration of your kingdom today. Amen.